morning. I am John Thomas, the pastoral resident here. I'm sure you guys already know, but good to introduce myself to someone that may be new. Uh, the text that we're going to be reading this morning is Hebrews 11, verse 22. And then we're going to hop over to Genesis, and that'll be Genesis 50, starting at verse 15. If you have your Bibles, read with me. Hebrews 11, verse 22. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave direction concerning his bones. Genesis 50, verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, It may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph, saying, Your father gave his command before he died. Say to Joseph, Please forgive the transgressions of your brothers and their sins, because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of God, of the God of your father. Joseph wept, and when they spoke to him, his brothers came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear, I will provide for you your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So Joseph remained in Egypt, he and his father's house. Joseph lived 110 years and Joseph saw Ephraim's children the, to the third generation. The children of Machar, the son of Manasseh, were counted as Joseph's own. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel, Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry my bones up from here. So Joseph died, being 110 years old. They embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, your word is going to go forth. Lord, you know the needs of your people. So, Father, I pray that as your word is proclaimed, that you provide the, nu the nutrients your people need. Feed us bread of heaven. Pilgrim through our barren land. Give us what we need. Holy Spirit, I pray that you apply this word to the lives of God's people. Do it, Lord. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. You all may be seated. In 2013, a horrible accident happened. It was the Space Shuttle Columbia. They were wrapping up their 28th flight 
On their way back, they were coming through Earth's atmosphere. And that's when disaster struck. The shuttle began to burn up. And before it could even touch the ground, the whole thing had broken apart. But NASA had their scientists. They got the scientists together. They were doing research and investigations to find out why this happened. And what they found out was that one of the cooling tiles that was designed to uh, cause the ship to endure the stress of Earth's reentry, they found out that that cooling tower, at least one of them, had been knocked off. That makes me wonder about our faith. Do we have a faith that can endure reentry? One of these days, we will all go to the homeland of the soul. And we're going to hear either well done or we're going to hear depart. And the question is, do we have a faith that endures? See, just like those researchers had to find out what caused this, what, was, what stopped this shuttle from enduring the stress of reentry? For us here on Earth, one of the main things that impedes our endurance, or at least our faith that endures, is pain and suffering. Pain and suffering weighs on our faith. And in our society, the, the broader culture doesn't give us tools to really handle that, really to look at that. What the broader culture says is you do you. It says, be the best that you can be. Do what makes you happy. Be true to yourself. And nothing is wrong with those things. Those things are really good, actually. But when it comes from, when, it, when that is said, without this idea that we are image bearers of the true and living God, when that goes on without the realization that our identity is anchored in Jesus Christ, that's not helpful at all. That sets us up to think that we are the God of our life. And in that position, we don't think that a hardship and, and pain could be of any benefit. It makes it impossible for us to see suffering and the pain as something that the Father uses for good. So pain and suffering wears on our faith. So will our faith endure? I don't know if you've ever been through something hard, but you you'll get to question questioning a lot of things about Jesus when you're experiencing something hard. Amen. Hebrews 11 and 22 calls out Joseph. And as I studied Joseph's life, I was amazed. I came away amazed, amazed at how faithful he was. What made his faith endure? Today, we're going to take a look at three statements that Joseph made. And these three statements are going to allow a window for us to see into his faith. And when it's all done, we'll come away with three characteristics of enduring faith. See, the story of Joseph 
goes like this. Joseph, he went out, he was sent out by his father to check on his brothers. And as he goes out to check on his brothers, he finds his brothers in a place that they shouldn't have been in. When his brothers found him, or when his brothers saw him, they were upset. They, were, they already didn't like him for some stuff we'll get to later. Joseph was also supposed to report back to his father about his brothers. He didn't make it back because his brothers took him and beat him within an inch of his life, threw him in a ditch so he's left for dead, but they didn't stop there. To add insult to injury, they pick him up and sells him into slavery. Sold into slavery. See, at that point, his life was upside down. Pain and suffering was high. But that was what happened to him. His brothers turned their backs on him. These were the people that should have came to his defense, came to his aid. But what did they do? They betrayed his very life. The OJs wrote a song that said, laughing in your face all the time want to take your place. Backstabbers. That's who his brothers were. Backstabbers. See, anytime you go through some suffering like that, betrayal, that person who goes through that, they hardly view the world the same. Betrayal is a, is a heavy trauma to endure. That's what Joseph went through. And then he finds himself sold in slavery again, but this time he's sold to Potiphar, a high-ranking uh, Egyptian official. So Potiphar takes Joseph, put Joseph in the position of leadership over his house. So Joseph goes doing his job, running things for Potiphar. But Potiphar had a wife who was thirsty. She could not get Joseph off of her mind. As this is going on, Joseph is working, doing what he's supposed to do. This woman decides she's going to shoot her shot. Joseph ends up curving her, rejecting her advances. That leaves this woman angry. She's feeling stupid for throwing herself at him. Somebody who in their culture would be less than anyone else. So she feels stupid throwing herself at this man. But she's also hurt because of the rejection. Well, she goes full cap. She makes an elaborate lie up of how Joseph came after her and tried to sleep with her. She feeds that lie to Potiphar. Potiphar believes it and he throws Joseph in prison. Joseph catches a case behind this woman telling a lie. Betrayed, lied on, thrown in prison. This is a recipe for bitterness and faithlessness. See, many people struggle to trust God because they can't reconcile, they can't bring together God's goodness with the pain that they see in the world. See, sometimes we think we have it figured out. 
And it's that thought that leads us or at least makes it hard for us to go to the Father and ask for guidance. That's our pride making us uncoachable, unable to be led. And some of us get to the point where we look at God and say, how dare you? Some even end up walking away from the faith. Some of us, the, the self-righteous ones of us, we might be bitter. See, it'll play out in a different way. Same emotion, just playing out in a different way. Bitter, cynical, not ready to rejoice for the blessings of others, ultimately resulting in decline in Christian convictions. Simply put, these kind of painful situations will leave someone bitter and giving up on Jesus. That's how taxing pain and suffering can be on enduring faith, on our faith, quite honestly. But see, Joseph, he was beat nearly half to death, sold into slavery, pursued by his master's wife. And at that point, that is his opportunity to stick it to the man. That's his chance to look out for himself, to, to take care of what he needs. He could have thought, I deserve this, all the hell that I've gone through. He could have thought, God doesn't care about me. I've been ripped from my family, stuck in a racist land. He could have thought, it's time for me to get mine. That could have been Joseph's mindset. But it's not. See, at this time, Joseph was probably in his early 20s, hormones high, eligible bachelor, single. And this woman pursuing him, and what does he say? Genesis 39 and 9 says that he told her, I could not do this wickedness and sin against God. See, for Joseph, God was at the forefront. God was, for Joseph, in the position of priority. It's clear that Joseph done gone through such trauma by this point. See, somebody in Joseph's shoes just wants to feel good. They want something to take their edge off, take their mind off of the hurt that they live with day in and day out. See, if Joseph had chosen to sin with this woman, that would have been dead wrong, just like it is today. But in his brokenness, if he did, we would have been able to relate to him. See, God does not call the Christian to a position of superiority. He calls us to take the low place, to, to in love, give people the gospel, listen to those that are hurting, walk with them through what they're going through. We, we are looking and seeking justice. We want to bring mercy. That's what God has called us to. But in essence, Joseph says to this woman, I will not sin against God. To go through what he went through and still prioritize God 
it proves that when the Father is at the forefront of our faith, our faith is a faith that endures. See, these sufferings, it might wear thin, but the faith will not wear out. See, drill, drills have been around for ancient, since ancient times. And these drill bits, when they were used, the problem was that the material was too hard, the cutting edge on the drills would wear out, some of them would just break to pieces. But in 1863, Rudolf Leschko, he is an engineer and he introduced diamonds to the drill bit, inventing the first diamond tip drill bit. See, the diamond coating that he put on the drill bit, it didn't stop the drill bit from going through hard situations. It was the diamond coating that preserved the drill bit, that caused that drill bit to endure through immense pressure. See, with God at the forefront of Joseph's faith, like that diamond tip drill bit, he had the faith to endure. Not because he worked on something so hard, but because the father was at the forefront of his faith. He was able to endure the immense pressure of pain. See, he does not become disillusioned. He doesn't walk away from the father. Joseph, as he endures this immense pressure of trauma, rather than act in bitterness and faithlessness, he honors God. Enduring faith is a faith that has God at the forefront. It's a faith that has God in the position of priority. And when we can have the Father in the forefront of our faith, that leads us to bring our trauma to him. We can bring it to him, and that will open up the door for us to begin to trust his good purpose. That's the second point. Enduring faith, trust God's good purpose. Looking at Joseph's life, we left off where he was thrown in prison. Fast forward, he's taken out of prison, promoted to second, number two in the land, second only to the king. And it's at this time where he is in a position of power that he sees his brother for the first time. He sees them for the first time since that nightmare of a day when they betrayed his life. 20 years have passed. The question is what's gonna happen? He's in the position of power now. Genesis 45 and five, has it recorded for us. It says, and now, this is what he says to his brothers after they, and they're, they're, they meet him for the first time. And now, do not be angry. Do not be distressed with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. If we skip down to verse 7, he continues, he says, And God sent me before you to preserve a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. Joseph was telling them after 20 years of not seeing them, 
There should have been some animosity, some anger. But he says to them, don't be mad. He says, God brought me here. God brought me here. Joseph does what? He gives them kindness when they withheld kindness from him. This same situation where they're talking about what happened, it comes up again. This time, 17 years later, Joseph's father dies, and now the brothers are wondering, is he going to come after us now? Maybe now, maybe 20 years wasn't enough. 17 years past that might be just where his breaking point is. So they decide to come up and tell him, you know, hey, father had a, father had us promise and come to talk to you to make sure you promise that you won't hurt us. <laughs> Genesis 50, 19 through 20 has it recorded. And, and, and just for paraphrase for the sake of time, he said, do not fear. After his brothers came to him with that, he tells them, do not fear. Am I in the place of God? You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. So that many people would be kept alive as they are today. Here they are. This is almost 40 years later, and they are still dealing with the guilt of what they done, what they had did. And as they deal with that, what does Joseph do? He comforts them. He was basically saying, I'm not going to retaliate against you. What you did for my demise, God meant it to save lives. When you trust God's good purpose, you're able to see that the pain and suffering has a purpose. That something is happening. Father is up to something good. When we understand that his good purpose is at work, we're able to see our suffering as a mechanism that the father is using to produce good. Joseph understands for sure what happened to him was evil. But he also understands that the evil led to the blessings and the privilege he has. See, it was through the evil that the dream became reality. See, before Joseph's brothers betrayed his life like they did, Joseph had two dreams. He had two dreams where he saw the whole family bowing before him. Joseph, being the kind of person that he is, he shares that dream with everybody. He tells his brothers, he tells his dad, His brothers only get more upset with him. Their hatred and jealousy for him grew even more. So in efforts to stop the dream, they decide to just get rid of him, just do away with him completely. Because in their mind, they were thinking, we'll never bow to him. But God's faithfulness wins out. And the dream comes to pass. The dream comes to pass, and they have bowed before him at this point several times. 
God was the one that brought the dream to fruition. And Joseph now can see God's good purpose. Joseph can, can say that God's purpose is good because now he has almost this retrospective look. He has seen the benefit, how people have benefited from his position. And he can say, yeah, it's some discomfort in God's good purpose. It may be some friction, it may be some tension, but God's doing it to produce good. See, this fact is also seen elsewhere in Scripture. In James 1, it says, count it all joy when you meet fiery trials. It's for the testing of your faith, and that produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect in you, that you be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. When we encounter trials, that's pain, that's suffering, that's trauma. We can see that God has a purpose. Those trials are for producing good. That means that those things that we deal with in life that are uncomfortable, that are painful, God's doing something. See, if we're going to trust God's good purpose, we have to realize that we are the child. He is the father. At the end of the day, he loves us best. He has our best interests at heart. He is the one who has planned our life. And like a good father, he creates the coursework for our gifting and personality. He writes the prescription for our issues. He develops the regimen for our growth. He does all this to produce good. In 2013, Heather and I moved to Chicago to attend Moody Bible Institute, and Heather, being the go-getter that she is, she had a job already lined up before we got there. I had a job all but lined up. <laughs> so I have two very good people that I know. They are high-ranking in the security department on, on campus, and we have a great relationship and I asked them put, to put in a good word for me. They put in a good word. I fill out my application, land the interview. The interview happens, it was a group interview. And when it was all over, I was like, yeah, I know I'm at least in the top three. They have six positions they're hiring for. I know I should at least get one of them if I'm definitely in the top three. Well, Heather had already told me she didn't want me to get this job. We were in Chicago. For the first time, strange city, and Heather is like, I don't want you working overnight through the night, and I'm home by myself, and I'm thinking, well, you know, I need this money. <laughs> so I apply for the job anyway, go through the interview, and I'm thinking this is, this is already done. Two weeks later, I get an email that they went with someone else. I was livid. I was infuriated. God and I had a spirited conversation. I mean, I mean prayer. It was mostly me. And I was telling the Lord, 
what is going on? God, what are you doing? I need this job. If we are going to pay these bills, I'm going to need a job to do that. And I'm asking God, why did, didn't you let this happen? I had this overwhelming sense that God blocked it. That was in August. I didn't get a job until October. He let me go two months jobless. Heather sees me being angry. She's trying to be a good wife, brother. Me, it's, it's going to be all right. You know, on the side, she said, baby, Jesus. <laughs> she, she didn't know I noticed that, but that, that's what was going on. I ended up getting a job working at Chick-fil-A. Things were good. I finally was content. I was finally content. Had to walk about a quarter of a mile in snow to, to the job, but it, it was good. The place, the place was nice. I, the people there were good, so I enjoyed it. And about three months, I get a call from a friend that says, hey, uh, my job on campus is hiring. And I told them about you. If you want, you can come check it out and see if that interests you at all. So I checked it out. I'm like, okay, yeah, this looks like something I'll be interested in. I went through the interview. Less than an hour after the interview, they called me and said they want to give me the position. The position came with the ability for me to choose my schedule. I didn't have to work at night. I didn't have to work on the weekends. And I didn't have to be walking through the snow. This, this was a blessing. This was a godsend. My best efforts couldn't have got that. See, God was teaching me something that I can trust him to provide for what I need. It, it was stressful on the front end, and I ultimately had to go back to God and repent and ask for forgiveness for me having such an angry conversation. But... That was, that was my situation. See, I'm not up here, you know, from a position of superiority. I, I, I'm talking to you guys from brokenness. I was at Bible college walking around mad with God. <laughs> See, when it comes to, to knowing that God has a good purpose, we're going to have to endure some pain. Amen. That's just the way that God has designed it. Faith that endures trust that God's purpose is good even when it doesn't feel good. Amen. When we review what the Father has done and we, uh, we look over how he has been faithful, we can see that his purpose really is good. And that is a reminder that if his purpose is good and, it's been, and he's proved it to me, that means that the promise that he gave me, he will keep. That brings us to our third point. Enduring faith knows the father, the father's home awaits. Enduring faith knows that the father's home awaits. Genesis 50 Verse 24 through 25. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then, 
Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. See, Joseph had a desire to be with his people. And he's telling them, don't leave me here. God is going to take you from this land, and I want to go. But it was a little bit more than that. Joseph ultimately wanted to be with the God of the promise. He wanted to be with the God who keeps his promise. Here, Joseph, I can just envision him laying on his deathbed, speaking to the younger generation, looking up, to them, looking up at them saying, there is something that's going to happen, that God is going to visit you. This was a great act of faith on Joseph's part. He was speaking about the exodus. He says to them, when that happens, when God visits you to come out of this land, take my bones. He was letting them know that promise that was promised to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. God's going to keep it. Calling the next generation to faith and action. Now the thing is, Joseph had no earthly clue when this exodus was going to happen. But he believed that God would keep his promise even when he himself was dead and gone. And guess what? As history plays out, God kept his promise. He led the people out of Israel for over 400 years after Joseph's death. Not only that, Joseph's bones ended up in the promised land. Buried where he had requested. The question is, how could Joseph have faith that this was actually going to happen? It was a tough thing for Joseph to have faith for that. But it wasn't that tough. Because I believe that Joseph looked back over his life. And he remembered how God used the pit to put him in power. He remembered how the father brought him from prison to power, from prison to the palace. He remembered that he could have died in that pit. That he could have been in prison forever. But God remained faithful, bringing the dream to fruition. See, it was these moments in Joseph's life that reiterated for him, reminded him that the father keeps his promise. That even though the circumstances may be devastating, God has an uncanny ability to keep his promise. The father utterly defeats the odds. Joseph knew that the father would bring him home. He believed that, you know what? If God has done all of that, these bones ain't nothing. He said, these bones won't be an issue. One of these days, Strong Tower, the father is going to bring us home. 
We can count on him to do it. Why? Because Jesus promised it. He said he would come back and bring us with him. He's been faithful to every promise since. If we're going to have a faith that endure, our minds must be focused on eternity. We must set our minds on eternity. When our minds are set on our eternal home, it prepares us for the long game. It prepares us for the long game because there is something that God is doing that transcends the here and now. It goes beyond here. Enduring faith longs for the homeland of the soul. It longs for that city not made with hands. Enduring faith knows that the Father will bring them home. How do we get to that home? Can we get to that home? There is one reason and one reason only. That reason is Jesus Christ. We can enter the city made by God through Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that Jesus emptied himself. That means that he laid down his divine power. He laid down his rights to that. He laid down the charge over the angels. He laid down his omnipotence. He took up our weakness. He put on our dependence. See, like Joseph, Jesus was sent to his brothers. Sent to you and I, and we did not receive him. In fact, it was one of the brothers in ministry who betrayed his life. How does he endure? Remember, he emptied himself. The only strength that he had is the strength that came from the Father. See, Jesus modeled for us that enduring faith has the Father at the forefront. Hours before he was taken into custody, Jesus prayed to the Father, asking him, let this cup pass from me. But, but not my will, your will be done. Jesus knew that God's good purpose was about to happen. He knew that something good was about to happen. The Father was bringing about his good purpose. Betrayed, lied on, unjustly sentenced. Sentenced to death. Jesus hung there on the cross. He was mocked. He was ridiculed. People walked by laughing at him, spitting on him. What does he say? He turns to the Father and he asks for their forgiveness. Forgive my enemies. When Jesus was betrayed, he showed love. When he was lied on, he extended grace. And when he was killed, he gave forgiveness. See, the enemy did it for Christ's demise, but God did it to save our lives. The Father used the greatest evil to produce the greatest good. When God's wrath of sin was fully satisfied, Jesus looked to the Father and he said, Into your hands I commit my spirit. 
right there, Jesus modeled for us that there is something that goes beyond the here and now. He knew that in the Father's hands, he'd be safe at home. See, Jesus models enduring faith. Like Joseph, he knew with certainty that the Father would bring him home. Strong Tower, we don't endure because we strive so hard to make God priority. It's not in our working hard to trust God's plan. We do not endure in our wishing, hoping, and praying that one day God brings us to the heavenly home. We endure because of Jesus Christ. He has endured for us. Jesus is our enduring faith. We endure because Jesus perfectly endured on our behalf. In Jesus, the Father is always at the forefront. In Jesus, trusting in the Father's purpose is a constant. In Jesus, Holy Spirit guarantees a safe trip home. See, our enduring faith is in Jesus Christ. Embrace this Jesus and you too will have enduring faith. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as your word has gone forth, will you allow Holy Spirit to bring these things back to the remembrance of your people? Find a place for them to nestle, for it to nestle into their hearts. Father, we can only endure because of Jesus Christ. Lord, Use this throughout the week. Let them find someone that they can talk this over with. That this washes over their heart. In Jesus' name, amen.